Citizens, it's Wednesday. We're together, kind of, but man, we miss you so much. Um, it's so hard not seeing you guys week to week. Uh, we miss seeing your faces. We miss talking to you. Um, but technology is kind of amazing that we get to do this. And I've been loving tuning into the live stream on Sundays and Wednesdays and seeing you guys there in the chat. Oh man, and social media is pretty fun right now. I've been seeing those videos that you sent in and I don't know about you, but I was dying laughing when I got Eleni's uh, cooking TikTok. That was pretty awesome. And so it's good to see you guys through that. And I can't wait for the day that we get to be together again in the same room but I have a few announcements for us. So some fun events happened last week. You know, life keeps going on and we have some things to celebrate, okay? So a couple celebrations. We invited or we welcomed two new faces into the citizens community and I want you to meet them as well. So first, Aww, right? Yes, I can hear your your awes digitally. Yes, uh, congratulations to Sam and Jordan. They invited their third boy into their family this last week on March 24th, little Grayson Luke. He is so cute. Uh, so they're home right now doing really well. Um, but then two days later, uh, another family in our citizens youth community uh, also welcomed in a new face. Yes, welcome Paul Anthony Powers, which I got to say, Paul Powers, that's kind of an epic name. Uh, so yes, he was also born on his due date, which is crazy. So yes, if you um, you know have one of these guys' numbers, just text them, say congratulations. They're all doing well. They're at home and I cannot wait to hold these babies. <laughs> but I cannot wait to see all of you again. I tell you, man, when we get together next, it is going to be a party. We're literally gonna throw a party. But here we are, it is Wednesday and we are doing what we do best. We're gonna go through the word tonight. So I'm gonna ask you a question and it's gonna be a question that's gonna make your eyes roll. You're gonna be like, duh, come on, Courtney. What are you thinking? So prepare yourself. Here it is. Here's the question. Have you ever been stuck in a completely unexpected circumstance? Have you ever been stuck in a completely unexpected circumstance? It comes out of nowhere. It just comes out of the blue. It hits you on the side of the face. It completely ruins your plans and it ruins your week and your whole like story gets derailed. All right, everyone. Cue the eye roll. Three, two, one. <sighs> yes, duh. Of course, we've been through an unexpected circumstance. Welcome to March and now April 2020. This was supposed to be spring break, right? This was supposed to be trips and vacations and sunshine and seeing friends and hanging out. But instead, it's having so much time that you have no idea what to do. You have no idea how to fill your time, right? It's having all this time, not being able to spend that with friends or loved ones or people that you wanna hang out with. It's having absolutely nothing to do without the luxury of not being stressed. This is a very unexpected circumstance. And whether it's March, 2020 or April, 2020 or another event entirely, 
we're gonna face unexpected circumstances at very inconvenient times in our lives. And in those times we ask, why, what is happening? Why is this happening? What am I supposed to do? When the unexpected happens, what will be our response? When the unexpected happens, what will be our response? And so tonight we are going to close out our Made for Missions series with a story that's actually asking the same question. You see, in the early days of the church, you know, Jesus had come and he had lived and he had died. He resurrected and he ascended into heaven. And he told his disciples to go, to go and tell everyone about this news. And they went and really things never really happened according to plan. Or did they? I mean, the the unexpected hit them all the time, but they were expecting the unexpected. They showed us how we are to be on mission with God, even in the unexpected. And we'll see this truth tonight as we tell this and read this story together. God is still on mission and he still calls us to join him, even in the unexpected. So as I said, the question that we're gonna answer tonight is how are we on mission with God, even in the unexpected? So, Here we go. Open up your Bibles. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16 tonight. So maybe you have your physical Bible right now with some notes. Open it up to Acts chapter 16. Uh, If you're tuning on the live, you can see the notes. There's like a little button at the bottom of your screen. Actually, it's probably on this side. And you can click on notes there. Also, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can click to uh, events. And our event is right there. And you can follow along the notes. So Acts 16. Here we go. Without further ado, allow me to tell you a story. I'm gonna tell you a story about a man named Paul. All right, so Paul, you may know him. Uh, He was a man who used to be named Saul. And by the end of the story, you're gonna see that today's story is a very ironic time in the life of Paul. You see, Paul, when he was Saul, was a massive enemy to Christians. He dedicated his life to finding Christians and literally dragging them out of their homes and putting them in jail for what they were doing. He persecuted Christians until one day he had a radical encounter with Jesus. He met Jesus and his life was never the same. He dedicated his life to, to Jesus first and then to telling everyone about the gospel. And so Paul, it joins our friend Silas today. And Paul and Silas, they were on a journey to go find a place to pray, basically. They, were, they had just left uh, a house of a woman named Lydia. Lydia heard the gospel. She uh, believed, she saved, she got saved. She, they threw a party in their house and then Paul and Silas went off um, to go find a place to pray. And as they were on their way, they were being followed by a woman who was demon-possessed. She kept following them and shouting out uh, about them to everyone around them. And after a while, Paul was like, oh man. And he, with, through the grace of God, freed this woman from demon possession. This is a good thing, right? Healing, we're seeing even the works of Jesus being displayed in his apostles. It's so good. Except this girl 
was owned by people who used her and the demon inside of her to be a fortune teller, to tell people fortunes, to sell fortunes. And suddenly their profit is gone. This girl can't do it anymore. They can't make any money off of her. And they are out rage. They begin to start a hype in the city. They get the people angry. They bring in the police and they point out Paul and Silas as these, these terrible people in the city. And what happens? The police seize them. They bring out wooden sticks and they beat them. And then they drag them off into jail. This whole thing is completely illegal. Even in that time, in Rome, you couldn't just drag a man off to jail without a trial, without a defense. Like there's no justice here. What was done to Paul and Silas were completely, was completely wrong. And here they are in prison. And it's here in prison that we pick up our story today. But before we get here, what would you be thinking or feeling in this moment? I mean, I would be angry for sure, but then also flabbergasted. I mean, you're simply on your way to find a place to pray. Good thing, right? You, through the Holy Spirit and through the power of God, you help a woman become free from a demon. Super good thing. And what's the result? You're beaten with sticks, bad thing. (laughs) And then you're thrown into prison. The deepest, darkest, most disgusting part of the prison. Super bad thing. Dude, Paul and Silas were thrown a completely unexpected curveball. How are they supposed to continue on the mission of God? How, with this unexpected event, were they supposed to continue on God's mission? So let's read the story. It opens up in verse 25. He says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Yes, I know it's one verse, but we're gonna pause just here. I mean, okay, Imagine you've been wrongly thrown into prison, no trial, no defense, just completely unjust, thrown into prison, chains, bars. What's your first response? It's probably not gonna be to sing. That's exactly what Paul and Silas are doing. Why? Because one, they know that no matter what, God is still worthy of their praise. And two, they're actually aware of the fact that God is on mission in this moment. As we watch this story unfold again, we're gonna be answering this question of how are we on mission when the unexpected happens? So Paul and Silas have experienced an unexpected and yet they continue on mission. I mean, even in these first couple of verses here, we see that while we rejoice, God is reaching. Each of these points we're gonna come through tonight has two parts of it. It has two jobs, our job and God's job. Paul and Silas rejoice. We rejoice while God is reaching people. I mean, look at this, look at this line again. So they are praying and they're singing hymns to God. They didn't complain or try to escape. They just sang. They just rejoiced and worshiped God. And what's crazy, this little detail, is the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them. What a detail. 
I mean, in the middle of this dirty, smelly, hopeless situation, Paul and Silas are singing and they're rejoicing. And the prisoners are probably like, what? They're probably in shock. They've probably never seen something like this before. Maybe they think these men are crazy. They're delusional. They've lost their minds out of touch with reality. But it may also be the first glimpse of joy and the first glimpse of hope that they've seen in a really long time. In this dark dungeon, the songs of Paul and Silas radiate like light through this prison. And here we pause and we think, man, what do you do when the unexpected comes your way? What do you do when the unexpected comes your way? When a curveball or an unexpected trial or suffering comes your way, what if it's actually your witness to a watching world? What if this thing, this moment, this season, this time is actually an opportunity to share the hope that you have, to radiate joy and to radiate confidence into a dark world? What if how we respond to this virus and to school being canceled and to spring break being ruined is actually an opportunity for you to share hope? What if this moment is because we were made for mission? There's no legitimate reason for Paul and Silas to have been put in prison. But it turns out God is actually on a mission. God was on a mission to save and he sent Paul and Silas into this prison for a reason. Let's see what this reason is. So again, we begin in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke, and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we're here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night. He washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and he set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Man, what a beautiful story. And we see here that while we share, God saves. While we share, God saves. Paul and Silas in prison are singing and they're praising the Lord. And then suddenly this massive earthquake happens and their songs are interrupted by rumbling and the ground is shaking and the walls are crumbling that it can't even hold the jail cell open anymore. And their shackles begin to fall off their feet and they get unhinged from the wall and they're free. What would you do? Uh, 
run, get out of there, right? But what do they do? (laughs) Well, I bet that you thought that the earthquake was about freeing Paul and Silas, right? I bet you thought this great miraculous work from God was actually God's provision for his people. And yes, God does provide for his people and he will, and we'll see that later in our story. But that's not what this is about. God is on a mission to save, but it's not about saving Paul and Silas in this moment. In this moment, he had somebody else in mind, someone very different. God does save a life. And in this unexpected moment, it's an unexpected life. After the earthquake, we see that the jailer awoke and he saw that the prison doors were open and he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Why? Why would this, this, this jailer attempt suicide at this moment? You see, the jailer had one job. You can look back up in Acts, in Acts uh, chapter 16, verse 23 and 25. The jailer's one job was to shackle these guys and keep them safe in prison. He had one job and failure to complete this job results in termination. Not just termination of your job, but termination of your life. And we've already seen this. Back in Acts 12, we see Peter uh, escapes from prison. And when they find that Peter is gone, Herod brings out all the sentries, all the guards, and he interviews them and then kills them. The cost of 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 letting a prisoner go free is the life of the jailer. The jailer decided to put his own life in his hands instead of being killed by somebody else. The jailer, in a lot of ways, is us on a trajectory to death. But what happens? Paul cries out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are here. The jailer thinks his life is over. He's about to die. And then all of a sudden Paul is like, wait, wait, don't do it. We're still here. Don't worry. You're like, what? Why are you still here? Why didn't, why didn't you leave? That's insane. Like any prisoner would have escaped. And we've seen this already in the text. I mean, we've seen apostles being freed and escaping from prison. Why didn't, why didn't Paul and Silas? But you see, Paul was on mission with God. He realized that his witness in this moment was much bigger than him just escaping. He realized that this is an opportunity for God to save a life, both very literally and saving this man's soul. This man who had no other option but death was rescued and given life. Man, This, again, students, is our story. We're gonna see who deserves the credit in this moment. He responds, the jailer is completely shocked and he responds, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Seems like an odd question to ask immediately after 
this earthquake, I would have been like, what was that? Or why are you still here? But maybe the jailer had been listening to Paul and Silas sing and singing about a good God and singing about a God who has saving power. This this man's life had just been rescued. He's seen the miraculous. He has seen the power of God come in this earthquake and he has seen the miraculous of these people in jail not leaving. That is a miraculous thing. He cannot deny the hand of God and he falls to the ground in awe and wonder. And he says, what must I do to be saved? And the answer back very simply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believing in Jesus, this is the foundation of our faith. It reminds us of Jesus's words in John chapter six, right? People come to him and they ask him, what must, we, what, must, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus responds, this is the work that you believe in him who he has sent, that you believe in Jesus. Have you come to a place of belief in Jesus? Man, have you recognized the fact that we were on a trajectory to death, our lives on the line, but Jesus stepped in, much like the jailer, right? Who for the cost of freedom was going to die. Jesus did that for us. For the cost of our freedom, he died to give us life. Like the jailer, our lives are saved as we believe and we follow the work of Jesus. Have you come to a place of belief? Belief in this good, good God and in Jesus who saves. This is a powerful, powerful moment. And we see that there's a few things that the disciples do next. The jailer comes to a place of belief. And then it says, they spoke the word of the Lord to him. After this jailer believed, they do a couple things. They do a few things. First, they teach the word. They spoke the word of the Lord to him. They open their mouths to share the gospel. You see, we're on mission, but our mission comes with a message, one that we're called to share. And as we've been uh, talking these last couple of weeks in the chats, and one of the questions we've been asking is, um, what makes you feel disqualified to be on this mission? Or what hinders you from sharing the mission of God? And most people have responded that, you just don't feel capable of sharing or of teaching or of knowing God's word well enough to be able to teach this message. So how, how can we come to a place where we feel confident in this, where we feel confident in sharing the message and teaching the word of God? Man, study, 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 study your Bible read it, not just a verse here and a verse there, but whole chapters and whole books, get it in you, read it daily, take it in, think about it often, put up scripture all over your house, especially now. Do you know how much time you have available to you right now? Like get God's word into you, put it always before you. 
hear the word preached. The fact that we're here right now is a statement of what we do, right? We prioritize God's word. There's a reason why the preaching of God's word is the biggest part of our gathering together. On Wednesdays and on Sundays, we want God's word in our hearts. And I guarantee you, what you're learning in this moment together even now is far bigger than you understand. Right now, even as we are talking and, and, and looking at God's word, you're seeing how we read it, how we understand it, how we apply it. This moment even is preparing you how to read and understand and share God's word. This moment is more valuable than you know. You're learning even more than you think you are in these moments as we learn God's word together. So this jailer comes to faith. Paul says, believe. And then he begins to teach him God's word. And secondly, we see that he was immediately baptized. He was baptized at once. We see this pattern here, that belief leads to baptism. Belief in Jesus leads to an outward work of what God has done inside, a symbol of new life. He believed and he was baptized. And in this story, we hear the echoes of Jesus's words in Matthew 28. We looked at that a couple weeks ago when Jesus says, go into all the world, right? Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded and baptizing them. Share the gospel, teach them to obey and baptize them. And we see that they are doing the mission right now. So they teach him the word, the jailer gets baptized, but there's actually a significant step here that we don't wanna miss. You see, he then rejoiced. Of course he would rejoice. This man was going to die. He was on a trajectory to death and he was saved and his physical body was saved and he believed in Jesus and his soul was saved and he rejoices. This is why we celebrate and we have baptism Sundays, which we will by the grace of God do again. We rejoice because it is a powerful thing when one going to death is raised to life. We rejoice in Jesus who made it possible. Man, it is an exciting story as we see what the Lord did in the jailer's life. But this story also shows us a process of faith. So I'm gonna put up a diagram here and I want you to like write this down. If there's one thing I learned in studying in school is like writing things down gets it in your memory. So wherever you are, hopefully you have notes out. If not, run, go grab a scrap of paper, a receipt, something, a, a pencil, a pen of your choice, a marker, a crayon, whatever you need to do, go grab something to write down. We're gonna talk about this process of faith, how this works. And we're gonna, we see this in the jailer's story. So we see the first step in this process of faith is that first, the word is heard, right? We hear the word of God. Paul and Silas were singing about the goodness of God. We saw that they taught the word to the jailer. So first we hear. And hearing by the grace and transforming power of the Holy Spirit leads to belief. 
The jailer asks, what must, I, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Hearing the word of God, hearing the gospel leads to belief. And belief leads, as we talked about, to baptism. This is the, the very next step of believing in Jesus. We hear, we believe, we are baptized. We declare to everyone that we are following Jesus, that our life has a new purpose. And then we rejoice, right? They celebrated, they rejoiced. And this rejoicing leads to sharing. This rejoicing leads to sharing. I mean, the beginning of our story, we're actually in the middle of the circle, right? Because Paul and Silas opened with rejoicing, even in prison, they opened with rejoicing and it shared the word to the jailer who then was able to hear the word of God. And here he is believing, being baptized and rejoicing. And then he's going to share. This is the cycle of faith. This is what happens. And this cycle keeps going and going and going. As we heard God's word, we came to a place of belief. Many of us who have believed have become baptized. And we, oh, citizens, let's be a people who are marked by rejoicing even now, even in a dungeon, even in a prison, like Paul and Silas. Let us be marked by rejoicing and let it be a voice declared as we share with those around us. And then we often follow our friends back through this process, right? Paul and Cyrus, they taught the word. They brought the jailer to hear the word. Man, we continue on this journey. And we gotta remember that there are things that we do and there's things that God does, right? We rejoice and we share and God reaches and he saves, he does this work. And what's cool is this cycle even continues in our story. This, the jailer was not the only person whose life was transformed in this moment, but God not only saved one life, he saved an entire household. Verse uh, 30, 31. Look at, look at all of the mentions of the jailer's household. He says, you'll be saved, you and your household. They, they taught the word of the Lord to him and to all who are in his house. He was baptized, he and all of his family. And he rejoiced along with his entire household. One man's life transformation, a father of a household completely transformed his entire household. A whole household was transformed because of one man's transformation. Because the work of God in one man's life it spread to the whole house. Stories like these just remind me of even my own history. Maybe I've shared this before on a Wednesday night, but I'm standing here because of my great, great, my great grandmother. My great grandmother, my great grandma Mary, sweet lady. Uh, she, as a young woman, she was born in the 1920s. Um, wow, 1920s. Uh, she grew up, she married a man, she had two sons and came to a point in her life where she came to saving faith, to belief in Jesus. So she came to faith in Jesus and then she 
began to follow God. And as my grandmother married, she began to, my great grandmother began to share that faith with my grandparents. And she brought my grandmother to faith. And over time, my grandmother came to faith as well as my grandfather. And before my my great grandfather passed away, he also came to saving faith. My grandparents passed it on to their three sons, one of which is my father. My father married my mother. They had three kids, I'm one of them. There's a legacy of faith in my family because one person shared the gospel with my great-grandmother and my great-grandmother shared it with her whole household. The power of one life changed has a domino effect for generations. Last week, we we talked about who's at your table, who's there, who can you reach out to? And I encourage you just start with one, just one person, one person that you will share God's story with, one person that you will share your life with, one person that you will pray for, one person that you will help them through whatever they're going through. Just one person, tell the story, pray for them, and then watch what God does. Watch what God does in the life of that person and watch what God does through the generations. One life can transform an entire family. Oh man, this is why we rejoice. We thank God that he multiplies, that he spreads, that he brings his his gospel and his goodness and his life transformation to so many Have you come to a place of belief? Have you been baptized? Let us rejoice and share and see what God does as he continues that cycle through our lives. So we've been asking and trying to answer this question, how are we on mission with God even in unexpected events? We've seen that as we rejoice, God is the one who's reaching. Right, as we share the story, God is the one who saves. But our story's not quite over yet. It has kind of a strange ending. Um, And we have one more thing to look at as we are on mission with God. So let's turn back to the story. In closing lines, verse 35, he says, but when it was day, so right, overnight, earthquake, whole family comes to faith, baptism, they eat, they get clean from their wounds. Cause remember they were beaten with sticks. Um, they're back in the prison. They're feeling a lot better. And then morning comes. It says, but when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrate has sent to let you go. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, what? <laughs> They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. Sassy Paul. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came, they apologized to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. Please just go. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. This is whose house they were at prior to this event. 
And when they had seen the brothers, the other believers, they encouraged them and departed. Strange, strange ending. But we'll see that as we persevere, as Paul and Silas persevere on the mission, God provided what was needed. As we persevere, God provides. We see the next day that the magistrates and the police come and they say, let those men go. Not only was God working in the jail that night because he obviously was, he was working in the jail in the life of the jailer. We saw that crazy earthquake. But all this time, God was actually working outside of the jail. We have no idea why the magistrates or the police um, would let them go. Maybe they heard about the earthquake. Uh, Maybe they realized that they never actually set up a trial for these guys. So they're hoping that they can kind of shoot them off quietly. Whatever the reason is, God is working off scene to provide a way of getting out of jail for Paul and Silas. And so they come and they say, let these men go. Um, And we see that God was providing that way out. But it makes us ask the question, like why if if the police were already gonna let Paul and Silas go the next day, why did God also provide the earthquake? Seems like a extravagant thing that's not entirely necessary. As we've seen through this whole story, the earthquake was not the provision for Paul and Silas to leave prison. It was actually the events that needed to be saving the life of the jailer, that to be the, the moving event that caused the jailer to come to belief in Jesus. God was sending Paul and Silas on a mission. So God provided the event for the jailer to come to faith and he provided the way out for Paul and Silas. So magistrates and the police, they seem to realize that they've made a mistake. And so they go to the jail quietly and they're like, all right, guys, you can head out now, no big deal. Sorry, we beat you with sticks, but uh, you're free now. And Paul, like, he does not go quietly, not at all. He is animated. He's like, what? They have beaten us. They've beaten us publicly. We're uncondemned. We are not guilty. We're uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, by the way. And they've thrown us into prison. And do they now just want to shoo us out secretly? No, let them come here, apologize to my face, right? And then take us out. Whoa, Paul, calm down. What is happening here? I mean, seemingly in our story, they didn't throw a hissy fit going into prison. All we know is they were beaten and thrown into jail. They didn't put up a fight. They didn't, uh, he was not loudly put into prison like this. He didn't have this kind of uh, conversation when he was going into prison. And we know from Paul's other uh, letters and writings that he knows that he's gonna suffer for the faith, that persecution is a part of being a Christian. He's gonna be put in jail several more times. In fact, he's gonna be put in a, uh, a jail in Philippi and next week, spoiler alert, we're gonna start our Philippians series and we're gonna see what Paul has to say from a jail in Philippi. Um, but he, or he's in jail writing to the Philippians. Um, so he, we know, we know that Paul is going to suffer. He's gonna be in prison. He's gonna be writing letters while he's in prison. Why is he putting up a big issue right now? Well, there's kind of two things that happen here at the end. 
And the first piece has to do with the reputation of the gospel before unbelievers. So remember that Paul says they were thrown into prison without explanation, without trial. They were just beaten and shamed publicly before the people for the sake of the gospel. They know these guys are Christians. They know they just healed somebody. They know that they're here to share the gospel. And so his concern is for the reputation of the gospel. Paul wanted to make it clear that a mistake had been made, that they weren't doing anything illegal, that they weren't doing anything wrong, that they actually posed no threat to the Roman government, that they're not Christians who are thrown into jail because they are being rebellious or that because they are doing something illegal. They're just sharing the gospel. So it would be like, if your uh, sports team or maybe your club at school or just a group of people were uh, thrown into in-school suspension or detention and it was super public, maybe there was some crazy vandalism that happened on school campus or someone started a food fight or somebody was like, cyberbullying somebody or things came out or there was a fight in the school um, that was like all over social media. Let's say something like that happened and it was like, oop, it was you guys. (laughs) Yep, key club, yep, theater kids. It's not gonna be those guys. Some other group, right? That they're like, it's your fault. You're gonna be in detention. Um, But you actually didn't do it. So the school figures out it's not your fault. They come to you and they're like, oh, super sorry, guys. We made a mistake, but you're good to go. Go ahead and leave. And they're like, no, the whole school thinks that it's our fault. The whole school has, now your club has a bad reputation because the whole school thinks it was you. That's kind of what's happening here. For the sake of the reputation of the gospel, for the name of Christian, and those who will come after Paul as those Christians as followers. Paul is pushing his right as a Roman citizen who should not have been thrown in jail (laughs) without a trial. He pushes his right to clear his name and really to free Christians of a false rumor of being against the law, right? He wants to lighten up the barrier to those hearing and receiving the gospel, to those who go, oh yeah, I don't wanna follow Christians because they... they do things illegally. He wants to clear up that name. It's for his reputation before unbelievers. Paul was shamed publicly. He wants the name of Christian to be cleared publicly. And so Paul and Silas, they continue to persevere. We see that they leave prison. um, They do what they need to, to clear their name. And they continue on their way in the declaration of the gospel. They are going to persevere on mission. But their first stop goes back to Lydia's house because they want to be an encouragement to believers. And so Paul's concerned about the reputation of the gospel for unbelievers, but he's also very passionate about encouraging believers. Before Paul and Silas were thrown into prison, they're hanging out um, at Lydia's house. And Lydia was a woman who she works in retail. She's probably pretty rich. She sells very fancy fabrics and she hears the gospel shared by Paul and Silas and she believes and she comes to faith and she becomes a big mouthpiece for the gospel in her area. She's a brand new Christian. And now Paul in prison with this Philippian jailer, um, has another circumstance, has another encounter where an unbeliever comes to saving faith. And 
It's so exciting. He goes back to Lydia's house. He says, and they visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, another name for those who believe, they encouraged them and departed. Paul wants to encourage these new believers that this is a movement that matters. This is a mission that is growing. This is a gospel that is going global and God is good. And the power of what Jesus has done in our lives is powerful and the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts. They shared the story of what God has done. They encouraged him with the news that God is at work everywhere. Our stories encourage one another. Our stories encourage one another. This is why we share stories. This is why we share our eight to eight stories, which if you've been tracking with our Citizens Challenge, our eight to eight stories are stories of how God is bringing good, even in things that don't seem to look good. It's based off of Romans eight twenty eight that God works good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you want to share a story during this time, we would love to hear about what God is doing in your life or what he has done in your life or right now what he's doing. You can share your 828 story at nwgospel.com slash 828. Let us hear from you. Let us encourage one another in this time. We, we said that Christians, that us citizens, we're people who are marked by rejoicing. Let's rejoice over what God is doing and let us be encouraged. So, Again, we've been asking this whole time, even in unexpected circumstances, how are we to be on mission with God, even in unexpected events? We saw here at the end that we, while we persevere, God is the one who provides the way. It says why we share the story, the word, the gospel, what Jesus has done and is doing, God is the one who brings salvation and the hearts and the lives and the families of people. And as we, beginning of our story, we saw that while we rejoice, God is the one who's reaching those around us. Let us be people who rejoice, who share and who persevere. And let us celebrate as God reaches, he saves and he provides for the mission. What are the circumstances in your life right now that look like suffering or trial or struggle? The thing that looks like a completely unexpected event. Again, back to the opening. Duh, Courtney. Right here, right now. What if this could actually be God's game plan for you to join him on mission? What if this is the moment where God is calling you to join him on mission to this world? What are some things we can do this week? I just wanna leave you with two things as we close. Just two things that you can do right after this live stream turns off or even tonight as you go to bed or tomorrow morning as you wake up, think about these two things. One, maybe brainstorm a list of ways that God could be using you right now on mission. Be creative. Think outside the box. How is God using this unexpected circumstance or any other unexpected circumstance in your life to be on mission those around you? Brainstorm. Think of some ideas. 
Remember uh, what Tony had to say in the video earlier that there's never been a generation more equipped for this moment. You guys are so connected with technology and online. Think of creative ways that you can be on mission. So brainstorm those ideas, number one. Number two, this is a great practice. Write out your story. Write out the story of how Jesus has changed your life. Write it out, get it on paper. Once we practice telling our story, it's much easier to continue telling our story. Write out how God invited you into his family, how he made it possible for you to follow him, how he changed your life. And then consider sharing that story. Sure, definitely, we're inviting you to share those stories for our 828 stories, but think of that one person, that one person who you can share this story with. So brainstorm some ideas, some ways that God could be using you on mission right now and write out your story and see who you can share that story with. Let's see what God does as we continue to rejoice and share and persevere. Let's watch him reach and save and provide. We're on mission. This mission is global. And we thank God that he is at work even now. Citizens, we miss you. We love you. We can't wait to gather with you again.